Hello there. Welcome to the Suffolk Money podcast supported by Kingsfleet Wealth. Do any of these words mean anything to you? Ethereum, Cardano, Polkadot, Stella, Doggycoin, and maybe the one that gives it all away, Bitcoin. Yes, these are all cryptocurrencies. But what are cryptocurrencies? What can you do with them? And perhaps one of the key issues that's often not explored, what happens if you make any money or lose anything on them? Well, today I'm delighted that we were able to speak to Bridie Ayacheta from Larkin Gowan, who is an expert on this subject and someone that we were really delighted to speak to. So, please listen to our conversation with Bridie. I'm a senior at Larkin Gowan. Um, I've been there for five and a bit years now, which is great. My entire background has been accountancy since I left sixth form. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's been some time now. <laughs> um, I previously worked at a firm doing offshore um, taxes exclusively and moved to LG to do medical still doing offshore um and now sort of branch off into a few other areas within our private client group and you've been given the role of looking up something on the tax implications of cryptocurrency and so on yeah so all the bits about tax that people don't really want to look at (laughs) to fall into that into that bracket so yes um i'm now looking at um the tax implications of cryptocurrency which is a very new and nebulous area <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's strange really because they've been around for well, how long I, mean, well, I can think probably oh, six or eight years at least i was there a little bit longer than that I yeah 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 we came about in like the um, before 2010 oh okay yeah. I think Bitcoin came back in 2008, but it could be not correct. But they've been around. They've been around for a while. Whether or not they've been talked about is another matter. But I think, yes, they have been around for some time. So let's start at the very highest level. So when we're talking about cryptocurrencies, what, what are we talking about there? Okay, so I mean, cryptocurrency is just largely a digital medium of exchange. That's all it is. Um The main difference between crypto and general currencies is that it is not centralised by an authority or a main body. So it almost self-serves itself, Um, just built on a network, but in itself. There's no one there to regulate it. So in that instance, it's open 24 hours a day. That's another thing that people quite like about cryptocurrency. Um, it's quite hard to infiltrate as well, which people find nice and secure. It's hard to counterfeit. Um, so, and the paper trail is largely impenetrable as well, which is where the blockchain system comes in. Please don't ask me to explain the blockchain because I cannot and I will not. Um, <laughs> I mean, essentially, blockchain is a digital register, isn't it? And it's yes. one that is totally secure. So it's, yeah. if we imagined us recording on a line of paper that you own something and I own something, yes. but it's not on paper, it's digitally stored. Exactly. And, and, the, and the idea being that nobody can hack that, change it, amend it. That's the idea. Yes, that's largely it. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a nice, well, seemingly secure. Uh, originally was seen as quite an insidious form of currency back in the day. 
um, but it's now become quite popular for reasons that are really actually do in a way make sense. Um, you know, I, I've, who has actually cash in their wallet these days? So actually the idea of cryptocurrency is not wildly beyond, um, you know, day-to-day -day use anymore. But yes, so it's, it's largely that it's outside of a regulated body and it regulates itself to an extent. So uh, actually almost entirely, actually it regulates itself. So uh, yeah, it's very, it is quite clever how, how it does it. Uh, again, please don't get me to explain the detail because, you know, so let me get my, uh, I'm going to put my cards on the table here and then I'm a huge crypto skeptic in that I just think it's all a bit odd. Um, so of course, if if you have a £10 note, it says on that £10 note that, that the chief cashier of the Bank of England promises to pay the bearer yeah. of that £10 note, uh, the equivalent of £10, should you take it to Bank of England. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there is nothing like that with cryptocurrencies. There is nothing supporting that. There is no backing to cryptocurrency, um, none at all. Nothing is um, backed or insured by it at all. It's also volatile, um, a very volatile currency, which it isn't in the UK. Five pounds is five pounds. Inflation is one thing or another, but largely five pounds is five pounds. Not exactly, but we'll go with that. Whereas uh, Bitcoin could be worth X one day and Y in the following 24 hours. So it's not backed by a, any kind of asset. I mean, the gold standard went many moons ago, but I mean, it's always been largely backed by a government or a regulated authority currency, whereas Bitcoin is just really a thing unto its own, um, which makes it volatile, which again, is, is a good and a bad thing. Anything high risk is uh, extremely good or extremely bad. <laughs> What drives the price then is demand, isn't it? So if lots of people want to buy it, the price goes up. If people are selling it, the price goes down. So it's just a very basic reflection of market conditions. Exactly that. But it's not like share prices go up, not just because more people are buying or selling, but because of news flow to say that that company's doing well and therefore people buy into that share yeah. um, and sell. But there is nothing that could say whether... Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the others are doing well or doing badly. There's no sort of Not Not basis for it being a currency and whether it's trading well or trading badly, like perhaps um, sterling might go up or go down based on the economics within exactly the UK. That. But there's exactly. nothing. 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 It's a, it's a popularity contest. That's <laughs> what it feels like and that's what it looks like. Um, yeah, it's all, it's all intangible. Whereas largely um, any sort of sterling currency or uh, tangible currency is related or linked or pegged to something else. Whereas cryptocurrency just does not work like that at all. It is really a beast unto its own, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, just again, a bit of a macroeconomic thing for people who are listening. So, let's say that the Bank of England puts up interest rates. What typically then happens is sterling goes up because more investors put money in the UK because interest rates are relatively then higher to, you know, euro or wherever. Um, so, there are drivers that change currency values across the world. But as you say, the only thing that's driving cryptocurrencies is whether more people want to put their money in exactly. Ethereum than Bitcoin. Yeah, that is exactly it. Uh, there's lots of terminology and so on about cryptocurrency. Can 
Can you dispel any of that for us? Uh, I can certainly try. Um, again, I'm not an expert. I've never been on a, I have never, ever been on a cryptocurrency platform. I've never done any trading myself. So what I'm going to be talking about is largely um, theoretical. So, um, I mean, the most common types of cryptocurrency that everyone would have heard of generally will be things like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance Coin, Litecoin, Polkadot. I think a lot of people see those pop up, see them in the news, read things about them if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Um, there are different types of crypto assets as well. It's not just currencies or exchange tokens. Um, so Bitcoin would be considered an exchange token um which is basically some means of payment and investment uh, exchange for one another some places accept bitcoin as actual tender so you can use it for that sort of stuff um you can get utility tokens as well which are also kind of a crypto asset um they provide you with access to particular goods and services on that particular platform so it's more isolated it's kind of like vouchers for a particular place non-exchange all that sort of stuff or security tokens, which are a little bit more obscure, and they provide you with rights or an interest into a certain business, um, almost a bit like shares, but again, probably a bit more volatile. Um, you've also got stable coins. Don't know too much about that, but I'll just throw the word out there, but they also exist. I think stable coins are largely based on stuff that is um, backed by government um so there'll be coins that are linked directly to stuff there's a lot more levels to it than just trading coins so it does get a little more and how, how were they created how were they created um i think originally bitcoin was created um as a means of doing cheeky trading <laughs> on on the internet if i'm honest cheeky trading. Yeah. Uh, they were a bit cheeky trading um in terms of their actual physical creation, I, I'm not 100% sure. So there's this sort of mining thing, isn't right. there? Where... So, yes. So mining um, is something that goes outside of the general hobbyist investor buying and selling, trading with, with your general coin. So mining is where you are creating more, well, unearthing literally mining for other bitcoins because the blockchain uh means that it can't be infiltrated things can't be added or filtered in or interfered with so really what was there before plus its inflation is still only there now whereas mining is largely just um a complicated mathematical cryptographic puzzle that super clever people do and it unearths new bitcoin uh, that needs to be verified and then it enters into the blockchain so it's really just creating how they do this is witchcraft to me please do not get me to try and explain it in any other way other than they just do some crazy maths and it, it unearths or creates new bitcoin at, within the blockchain which is really hard to do so mining um is then when you can either get paid for mining so people can get paid to do that actual work or they i don't know have their own that they keep after they find it so um i'll go into the sort of tax implications of all these different things uh, in a bit as well so the other common ones are airdrops and this is where people um, receive tokens as part of 
for example, like a marketing or advertising campaign. So they'll just be given certain things um, that they may be registered to sign up to. And it's more of a bit of a, um, oh, here you go. You can have 15% off your next order sort of thing. So airdrops are just those sort of things. Um, whether or not their taxations are a little bit more convoluted because they could be attached to certain trading, you know, is it in response to some services you've provided or is it just you got lucky and you're part of a marketing campaign? So again, that's something we can look at. Um, I would say forking is the fascinating one. Um, that so yeah the main the main terminology is mining airdrops and forking that we hear in terms of tax um and because cryptocurrency is not controlled by a central body or anything it operates largely on a consensus of the community that actually uh use the cryptocurrency so when they all come to a majority vote that something needs to be different or change this is when forking occurs so there's two different types so when they say fork, it literally means like a fork in the road. So they can split the ledger, um, the ledger being the blockchain. So whatever has been audited up until that point. So uh, a soft fork is just basically where they make a change and they want everyone to adopt it. And there's no split in the ledger. It just sort of changes. Uh, a hard fork is where it literally splits in two. Um, I actually believe this is where Bitcoin Cash came into um, existence because that was a forking, a hard fork off Bitcoin. It's almost like a copy and paste. Uh, so it comes off a single ledger, Bitcoin, that existed for the longest time, and then they decide on a new protocol and it splits into like a copy and paste. Uh, it almost works as if you get your equivalent amount of coins that you had in your original ledger gets copied into your other ledger. They just have two different ways of functioning uh, and in terms of capital gains tax and base costs and stuff like that that is messy um so we'll have a we'll have a quick conversation about that later but yeah they're the main sorts of terminology with that a bit like if you had oh, just a, a share, shares in a company you had a thousand shares in a company and they all start trading at really high levels and the company says actually what we're going to do is issue you with you know we're going to um give five shares for every one and it sort of separates things out to be able to have lower levels of cost for new trading yeah that it's like what thing. old school alphabet shares that's kind right. of right yeah 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 okay yeah 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 that's that's what it's like but um again it's probably more techy than that and if anyone yeah yeah possibly this, yeah, yeah. Like, Riley, what are you saying and i'm like just from a tax perspective that's what we think um so yeah it's largely like that it's just where you want um you want something to change in the protocol on that particular coin and you have to cut it off from what was the original one and create another the other one still runs alongside it it still exists there's just two paths okay right it's the forking um terminology so right yeah they're your three, three. All, all those new terms that we need to um understand well that's uh amazing um uh, one other thing we ought to just touch on before we then talk about taxation and so on is nfts which has started to appear probably in the last 18 months two years something like that i would say yeah nfts have got super popular um super popular there's lots of references to these all over the place so nft just stands for non-fungible uh tokens and they're largely just uh, non-interchangeable units of data that are shared in the blockchain. I think they're largely linked to Ethereum. Most of them are. Um, not all, but I would say mostly 
all of most of them sorry um so nfts are just digital assets such as digital images audio files um photos videos uh that people can own um they are different to bitcoin or or any kind of other cryptocurrency because cryptocurrency you can have one bitcoin two bitcoin but you can only have one particular nft in that it has its own individual unique digital signature whereas bitcoin you can have multiple bitcoin but there is only one kind of nft that you would have so they're all individual and unique nfts so you can't have a collection of nfts in a pool for example you own one nft which could be an image of a cat playing the piano i don't know um and then you can have another one and they were completely separate um whereas so they can't be pooled like you would other crypto coins and stuff they can be sold and traded nfts but they are not part of the general crypto exchange so you couldn't do a direct exchange or anything like that. you could sell them to other people for cash for sure you could trade them for other things but then they don't work in the same way so they are more of just a digital asset that's all they are we won't go into any much more detail than that because um as you say the the purpose of the cryptocurrency thing is the idea is that they are a unit of exchange aren't they so somebody yes. in any country can use those in theory to buy to sell to yes. you know whatever um nft as you say is that like so i don't know trying to put it simply um you know that if you had a clock on your mantelpiece that is an asset Correct. um a digital asset um is you know it might be an image of a clock or or something um but just as you are unlikely to go to your local co-op and hand in a clock as a means of paying for (laughs) your goods the same thing is you wouldn't do that with a digital asset so it's you know just trying to represent the difference between an asset and a currency exactly that that's what it is so, um, yeah, and they've really kicked off with lots of celebrities endorsing NFTs yes. and, you know, they will make money on what they sell. And again, call me old fashioned and or just old, uh, but I'm quite <laughs> sceptical about that too. But I, yeah. Yeah, no, but people have made some pretty impressive um, money from selling nfts quite famous people have um, invested in that um which is smart because it doesn't actually require a lot of intervention from the celebrity and everybody wants something to do with the celebrity so actually they've jumped on something pretty pretty bright actually and we're, we're gonna see a lot more of this because the football authorities i can't recall whether it's uefa or fifa have endorsed um this as well and are looking you know we've got the world cup coming up and and they are going to be promoting this so it's going to be something that a lot of people are going to be seeing and i guess i just have a slight concern for the fact that people will you know be parting with their hard-earned money and acquiring things that i don't know whether they long term have any value because you're not (laughs) we're not advising anybody on anything on this absolutely In, in fact i think one of the things you just said right at the beginning is that there is no regulation on any of these things no, and very no. minimal. Yeah. And um, the interesting thing is if you want somebody to advise you on you know, putting money in an ISA, you've got to go through a whole range of questions and answers and all sorts of things to decide if it's right. But if you want to risk something on crypto, currently, as we're recording this, you could just go online and help yourself. And, you um, so something yeah. that's hugely volatile, 
has very few restrictions. So, you know, here I am sitting here thinking, Ooh, I think people just need to be careful, but really help, really appreciate the stuff you're explaining. That's, that's, that helps hugely. So do we talk about tax? Because again, this is the, the point that, you know, people who've been sort of trading this while they're watching Line of Duty or, or something and they're making money might be thinking, oh, I've done quite well, stick that in the virtual back pocket and um, that's it, job done. But that's yeah. not necessarily true. That's not necessarily true. And I feel like I'm going to burst a lot of people's bubbles. Go for it. Let's do it. <laughs> and be a complete party pooper. But, um, yeah, crypto is an asset. Um, and it is subject to tax like anything else. It's, it's um, depending on what you're doing with it will dictate whether or not it is subject to capital gains tax, whether or not it's subject to um, IHT. Um, so let, if I go back to a couple of the things I was saying before, mining, for example, that would be subject to income tax because you're providing a service. It's in response to something you've had to do in order to obtain those new coins. So this isn't just trading growth, uh, you know, natural development. You've done something and got paid for it. So it would always be subject. So whether or not that is what you do for a job. It could be trading income, you could be running a business, uh, but then you go down to the badges of trade and how often you do it and the frequency and the commerciality. Uh, it could be a trade or it will just be taxed as miscellaneous income under the income tax rules. Things like airdrops, uh, these can be part of the capital gains tax pool if you're not doing anything for them, if they're just given to you as part of a marketing campaign as a little bit of an extra surprise. Um, then that's fine. If you're providing a service in response um, in, uh, yes, and you'll get those airdrops in response to your services, then they can be seen as trading income or miscellaneous income as well. So it's it's not always cut and dry. Um, forking, again, is I won't go into much detail with this because it can get very convoluted, but because you're ultimately copying shares, uh, I'm calling them shares because that's the only thing that... Yeah. I'm thinking this to, yeah. yeah, to pair them to, yeah. not shares. Um, but say if you did split them um, and say you had 50 Bitcoin, you forked, you had 50 Bitcoin and 50 Bitcoin cash, you would have to then dilute the original share base cost um, between the two of them. And it can get quite fluffy and convoluted. So we won't go into that too much, but that will largely fall into the CGT bracket and those will be pooled like shares. Um, so yeah, most of the hobbyist traders that you'll see um, who involve themselves, like you say, who are sitting there watching the football and just on line of duty and doing the odd um, bit of trading here and there, that will all fall into the capital gains tax bracket. What people don't uh, always appreciate either is that say, I wanted to invest £10,000 of sterling into an equivalent amount of Bitcoin, which is probably half a Bitcoin. Um, and then I wanted to buy some Ethereum with my Bitcoin. Um, what I'm actually doing there is disposing of Bitcoin and buying Ethereum. So you actually have just created a chargeable disposal at the point you bought Ethereum for Bitcoin. And that's where you can look at it like shares. They are not shares, but you can look at it in that system. If you dispose of one share to buy another, you've got a disposal and a new base cost for another. So when people are doing multiple transactions, it can get 
very very messy very quickly um and people don't know this so they don't keep good well the record is pretty solid but in terms of taxation if you're doing hundreds of transactions um over a, over a week or a month and then at the end of the year you've got over a thousand transactions uh they all have to be analyzed for capital gains tax purposes for every purchase you've done with one crypto coin for another is a disposal and purchase and then if you want to use that ethereum to buy some polka dot coin that's another disposal and purchase the entire way along the line so unless you are literally putting in sterling buying new coins they're all base costs they're fine so it can get super messy um in terms of cgt so if anyone is thinking of doing this please do it right and well from the start because it I mean, is just, just clarifying that again, so cap, uh, CGT, capital gains tax. So yeah. essentially that's, that. and again, it's always really important just to be clear with capital gains, it is taxed on the gain. So Correct. in other words, you if you put £10,000 in and you get £20,000 out, the gain is 10000 It's Correct. the profit that has been made, isn't it? Profit yes. in inverted commas. Um, yes. So that's, that's the bit that people just need to keep records of that because if not yeah. you're going to be prodding or you know you and your colleagues who are prodding people for tax returns can be saying well i need the detail i need how much went in how much came out and the longer it the yeah. more time that it takes the more expensive it is to your client oh yeah no exactly that you're exactly what right. you're only taxed on the profit you make how you calculate the profit however is yes very different uh, we have same day rules we have 30 day rules pooling rules we have you know so it's not a case of oh i put in ten thousand, and at the end i had twelve thousand worth of bitcoin so i've only made a gain of two thousand that is not how it works it's a lot more convoluted than that uh, and that's why i was trying to explain the disposal and exchange process oh. they're all little transactions yeah um but you're exactly right it is capital gains tax on the profit you make on the disposal of those particular assets and um you know you you a lot of people think they're within their limits as well you can get up to um 12,300 tax free um at least for the last tax year that may have changed um so lots of people think i'm never going to hit that but actually when you do the proper calculations you might hit that so it's all not always as obvious as you think it is when you're doing this um these kind of transactions um and from an income tax perspective which is not as common um but you will see it some people get paid in bitcoin some people get paid in crypto um that does that then it gets a bit convoluted because it gets taxed as income because you're receiving it for providing a service so it's income at the sterling value that's what you would tax it as, but it then also sits and grows like currency doesn't. So there's the capital gains tax element to it as well, um, which seems unfair when I say it, but it's not. It's the same way as taking your sterling, putting it in an investment fund, and then that growing and paying tax on it. It's the same principle, it just misses the middleman. Yeah. Um, well, if you were paid in shares, you would have the same. Exactly story. the same. It, it's yeah. the same principle, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah exactly the same principle so whether or not something am amounts to a trade is just a question of fact depending on what the person is doing um but yeah could absolutely be considered for um income tax as well as capital gains tax and that's where um you are responsible 
<laughs> as the individual to know what you are doing <laughs> and uh, make sure you let your accountant know exactly what you're doing because um, it can, I've seen it get out of hand. As individuals, ignorance is not an excuse that we no. are all um, personally liable for any tax that we are, yeah. that we owe. And we have great people like you around to help us. <laughs> get through all of that but actually we can't just stick our head in the sand and say oh, I didn't know so therefore oh. I don't think I should pay any tax no absolutely not and the longer you leave it the worse it gets because you have to go back over a paper trail that is as you know can be years for some people and it's a disaster area so I highly recommend if you just think about it before you start and if you've already started please go and talk to an accountant now before it gets <laughs> um so, yes, um, another thing that uh, I'll just bring up, because I think this is something that um, people are unsure of, is whether or not uh, crypto is a foreign asset or a UK asset. I think people get quite um, unsure about that, because often you can buy things in dollars and then people will be like, oh, it must be an American asset. Um, it isn't because it's a non-tangible asset. It doesn't sit anywhere. So if you were buying shares in an American company, there would be a foreign dividend. There would be a, a foreign asset because the shares are connected to a foreign um, a foreign company, for example, so on and so forth. But because crypto is not attached to anything, as we discussed at the beginning, um, then they are, they sit with the owner. So they are resident where the owner is resident. So if I bought some Bitcoin with dollars or anything like that, because I'm a UK resident, my crypto assets will be UK resident. The only time that that gets slightly untrue is if, the, if you own crypto, um in exchange for an underlying asset so if there was something sitting in france for example uh an asset and i got crypto as a holding um for that particular asset they would be connected directly to a french asset so then that would change the situs um of the cryptocurrency itself but that's a very unusual situation for that to be in. Um, but most crypto that you hold will be resident where you are. Yeah, because they're non-tangible. They're just in the ether. What an increasing amount of tax in the UK is assessed on your global mm -hmm. um, arrangements anyway, aren't they? So yeah. whether yeah. it's gains or... And the other bit that's quite important, dare I say, it's something that we do need to touch on is inheritance tax, which yes. is obviously related to the death yes. of an individual. But um, there will be people who hold digital assets. Yes, absolutely that. And actually, the, the residency of these <clears throat> particular assets can become more relevant in IHT um, as it's based on the domicile of the person who passes quite, quite um, usually. So uh, cryptocurrency is considered by HMRC to be property for inheritance tax purposes. So it will make up part of your estate. Yeah. So it is something that has to be considered and looked at. Yeah. Definitely part of that. But again, that goes down to whether or not uh, you are a UK domicile person, whether or not um, your 
your crypto is is UK dollars, uh, UK resident as well. So it can get a little more fluffy. Again, I'm not an IHT expert. I'm just giving a very basic bones bit there. But yeah, they are considered to be property for IHT purposes, crypto. Yeah, and again, just to explain that, the, the HMRC's definition of property doesn't mean bricks and mortar. It means assets, for, it assets which they assess for yes. inheritance tax, basically. So yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yep. Okay. Wow. So that to me just sounds like if this is an area in which someone is interested and people could be interested, um, <laughs> as I say, I have lots of doubts about the whole thing. But anyway, if it's an area in which people are interested, they do just need to be really clear about the fact that there are almost certainly some tax implications for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people completely play below the thresholds. Um, but then again, because they are volatile, you can think that you're only putting £5,000 in. There's no way you're ever going to hit that limit for your capital gains tax. But you don't know. They get popular again and they shoot up through the roof. You could have a problem. So, um, it, you know, I would just be mindful when you're doing this kind of stuff. Um, it's also then just worth saying that, of course, if the opposite happens and you put money in and you lose lots, which, of course, is always possible too, then you can carry forward the loss. Um, well, that's, yeah. But that's just because people maybe aren't aware of the fact that losses on assets, you know, you can carry forward those losses and that can carry forward indefinitely. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it works both ways, exactly. If you can make gains, you can make losses as well. Yeah. Put just thought I'd flag that up, you know, just in oh, case. Yeah. Just in case. Absolutely. I, I did mention it because I haven't seen it happen yet. <laughs> no, it's probably because people then just hang on until they're in profit which you know that does happen doesn't it so absolutely yeah oh, that's been really that's been very very helpful so the final bit that we just wanted to then talk about is obviously probably the initial reason as you said why cryptocurrency began is is the idea that we don't actually we talked about having a five pound note or a ten pound note there's less of those transactions there's fewer transactions going on like that um are we ever going to get to a point where we won't have cash in society I think it's, I don't know if it'll be completely eradicated, but then there's lots of things that have happened in history that I know happened in this world. So, you know, I can't say for sure. I can't. I think some countries have already really gone down the cashless route already. I think we're quite behind on that sort of stuff. But cashless, uh, especially post-pandemic, has become really popular. And I think that's been a push for a lot of people that wanted to be cashless initially. Um, that's been quite an... Um, an eye opener for those businesses i do know some businesses that do run cashless already um especially in sort of the younger generations i don't think have really ever ex really used cash it's not something that's really uh seen i think i think there are benefits to a cashless society for sure I think it's safer in a way, but then I think it's unsafer in a, in, a, in a similar sense, because if it's infiltrated, you can get breaches of data because everything's stored on a system. Um, but at the same time, it's safer because there's a paper trail and everything uh, will have an audit. Um, everything will have a trail, something that's largely intangible when it's cashless. No one can come and just take it out of your wallet, can they? I think there's scope for it to go that way for sure. Um, I can't think of too many disadvantages other than there are some people that just aren't going to be comfortable with the move to a cashless society. I think there are some people who are not completely, you know, tech savvy or or just don't like that kind of thing that are being forced to do it. Um, 
which would be unfortunate. Again, there's the whole hacking thing that I mentioned uh, a minute ago. It can take one person just to get access to your to your bank and then it's gone rather than just taking, you know, a handful out of your, you know, all crime is bad, obviously. But, um, you know, would you rather all your money go or a handful of it go? It's, uh, that is slightly more um, unsettling, I think, that, that side of it. But I think we're on that path. It, it does raise all sorts of issues, doesn't it, about... Um, so as you said, you know, there is a uh, part of our society that perhaps isn't comfortable using IT, doesn't feel they can use online banking. Um, and you really do need to be able to do all of that if you're not going to use yeah. cash. The other bit that does also concern me is people perhaps who are, where budgeting is not one of their strong points, because yes. the ultimate conclusion with that is just draw out cash and spend the cash. And then you yes. sort of, yes. but if that's not an option, you know it's quite you really do have to be quite focused on your budgeting i completely agree i think um it's it's a visual cue that some people need and i completely understand that because we're visual creatures and that's how we can manage ourselves quite often but when everything's just on a card and you can't see it come out uh i think it's it's far less impactive um to just spend money on a card rather than see it. So I completely agree with you. I think it'll be hard for people to limit their spending. Yeah. Their spending. Yeah. When everything is just a concept, really. So the, the final thing that sometimes gets thrown up about um, having having no cash is the sort of authoritarian thing that mm. in theory then, you know, governments could just freeze all bank accounts or stop you from taking out what you need or spending yeah. on your cards. Whereas, of course, if you've got cash, you then have that, as we said earlier, that means of transaction of yeah. being able to go to your local co-op or wherever and, uh -huh. and spend the money. Whereas if you can't do that, you have no necessary means of exchange. Exactly. I think that would be something that will be sadly missed by a lot of people, actually. I also think there's a real human element to having cash. And this is just that that's more of a sort of personal uh feeling towards it all i think and everything being cashless and everything being automated makes us a very uh can potentially make us a very broken society which i think we need to be mindful of because the second you take out cash i think you can then well we've already seen uh automated checkouts in supermarkets you don't even need people anymore so if you don't need cash you don't need people i think the very human side of interaction and society will slowly start to dissolve we shall say, as you say, there's no point trying to predict the future because you know, we're not always very successful at it. No, <laughs> we'd all have flying cars <laughs> if we were, wouldn't we? So then. And that hasn't Give happened time. yet. <laughs> Bridie, thank you so much for your time today and for fighting through your cold. I'm um, so sorry. I'm you're doing admirably, <laughs> and um, yeah, thank you for such such a subject that could be quite heavy and difficult. You've um, really helped unravel that superbly so thank you Excellent. No, my pleasure and if anyone wants to talk to you or they've got suddenly realized they've got lots of gains um on, uh -huh. on their crypto or they're unsure about it or they know someone and they feel they need to fess up to hmrc and could do with a bit of help um sure. we can make contact with you absolutely please do yeah absolutely um you can do that by going onto the larkin gowan website and just typing in my name i promise you there is only one variety i that exists 
um, in the world and or on that website. So if you just type in Bridie, to be honest, there will just be one of them. So I will come up. In actual fact, that is true. If you type in <laughs> Bridie Larkin Gowan, um, there, there you are. So Yeah, it's, right I'm not hard to find. So by all means, just... Um, just just find my uh, contact details on there and uh, let us know. Well, thank you. It's been brilliant using your uh, knowledge on this and talking through the issues. And I think between you and me, we both recognise this is something which you could go into so much detail about. So we've done yes. it at quite a high level. And I really thank you for all the work you've put in. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It was a real pleasure to speak with Bridie and to be able to tap into her knowledge and experience on the subject of cryptocurrencies. If there are any other subjects that you would like us to deal with here on the Suffolk Money Podcast, then please do get in touch, whether it's a local business that you feel uh, show some particular promise or have achieved something quite remarkable, or whether it's a local charity or community group. Or if there's any financial issues that you would like us to tackle, please do get in touch. Contact us through the website, which is suffolkmoney.co.uk, or through our Facebook page. So once again, thank you to Bridie Iachetta from Larkin Gowan Chartered Accountants for being able to uh, talk us through the subject of cryptocurrency. As always, I'm indebted to the wonderful team who do all the work uh, behind the scenes um, for Sally Birch in booking speakers, for Kevin Birch for editing the audio and for Joy Day in ensuring that everything on our website is accurate and up to date. I hope you'll join us again for another episode of the Suffolk Money Podcast supported by Kingsfleet Wealth and we hope that we'll be able to join you again very soon. 